Straight from Music City, Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover, a podcast for future-ready librarians. This podcast called Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover, a podcast for future-ready librarians, focuses on changing the perception of school librarians, improving instructional practices, being a collaborative partner, and essentially just great library talk. I am Connie Sharp, the Librarian Training and Development Specialist for Metro Nashville Public Schools, and I will be your host today. Today our guest will be discussing a couple of her favorite tech tools. So before we begin, I want to give a shout out to the MMPS Learning Technology Department. They recently invited me to attend a two-day Minecraft education training. Friends, I was blown away by the many different ways to use Minecraft education in the classroom. I encourage you to try it out. Now, I am excited to introduce you to Caitlin McLemore. She is currently the Middle and Upper School Librarian and Technology Specialist at Shorecrest Preparatory School in St. Petersburg, Florida. I had the pleasure of meeting Caitlin when she worked as the Academic Technology Specialist at Harpeth Hall High School here in Nashville, Tennessee. Caitlin is a Google Certified Innovator, Apple Teacher, and Common Sense Educator. She was named an ISTE Emerging Leader in 2017 and the ISTE Outstanding Young Educator in 2018. Among all of these outstanding credentials and honors, Caitlin is also the co-author of the book, Stretch Yourself, A Personalized Journey to Deepen Your Teaching Practice. She is definitely someone you want to follow, so I encourage you to reach out to her on Twitter at EdTechCaitlin. So, without further delay, Please enjoy this episode of Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover. We're just going to hop in. Today I have Caitlin McLemore. Welcome, Caitlin, to Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover. Thanks for having me. Well, we are so excited that you took time out today to talk with us for this episode. And there are a few questions that we'd like to ask all of our guests, so we'll we'll just get started. Tell us what a normal morning is like for you. Well, I get to school between 7.30 and 7.45, and I turn on the self-checkout station in the library, and I check in any returned books that came in um, over the past day. Uh, And then I'm a sixth grade advisor, so after I fill my coffee mug, (laughs) I prep for our morning meeting. So in the middle school, every morning, you meet with your advisory for about 15 minutes. And then after that, I try to check in with my supervisor um, just to see, you know, how things are going, what's the the plan for the day, for the week. Um, And then if I have any classes scheduled, I prep for those. Or if I don't have classes scheduled, I work on library projects, circulation, things like that. Okay. I love it how you start your morning off with coffee, too. (laughs) I think that gets us all going. Of course. Very important All right. (laughs) So do you have a favorite book? And if so, what is it? I do. And I I thought about this when I started listening to the podcast. Uh, I thought, oh, what's my favorite book? Uh, And maybe now that I'm a librarian, I should have a a little bit more sophisticated answer because some of your guests have had such wonderful choices and recommendations. But I would have to say Harry Potter uh, and particularly Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I've read it many, many times. I actually have multiple versions of it in different languages. Um, Not that I've read all of the different languages, uh, but I just love the Harry Potter series. Oh, I love that. That's that's great. You know, Harry Potter is becoming more and more popular, I've noticed lately. Um, I have a couple of co-workers who have started listening to it again. All right. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your background in education, specifically about your passion for tech integration? Sure. Uh, It's kind of funny because I went to school to be a public 
elementary school teacher in Florida, and then I ended up a private school uh, tech coach in Tennessee. Um, but I started at the University of Florida in their ProTeach program, which prepares um, students to be to get their bachelor's and master's and then go uh, be certified as elementary um, ed teachers. So it's K through six in Florida, the certification. Uh, but then I ended up moving to Nashville when I was still in graduate school. Uh, and so I was working part time at some of the local private schools because um, there were schools that had those opportunities. Uh, and I ended up, uh, you chose a specialization for your master's and mine was technology integration because that's what I was just drawn to. I always enjoyed making things on the computer when I was mm -hmm. a student and it just spoke to me. And so that's what I, I chose. Um, and then based on that specialization and some of the connections I made in my part-time uh, teaching assistant positions, I ended up start, uh, starting a job as a technology coach um, at Curry Ingram Academy in Brentwood. Um, and then just kept going from there. I really took to it and I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed really combining the um, education and the curriculum with the technology tool, because I don't think technology should be used just for technology's sake. Um, and, and I really think it's important to, to make it a meaningful experience. Um, and so, so I just fell into it and I, and I've oh, been doing it great. ever since. You know, it's amazing how we start out going down one path and something happens like that, where suddenly you, you take a turn and then realize that it, it truly is like something that you love. Speaking of tech tools, what is one of your favorite tech tools right now? Uh, well, I was going to joke uh, <laughs> sticky <it>. notes <laughs> because if you think about the, you know, technology can be a broad or well, that's you know, true, that's narrow true. term, but uh, <laughs> I've been using a lot of sticky notes and I, I think we'll talk about the Google Innovator Academy later, um, but we, we used a ton of sticky notes there. Uh, but as far as what is my favorite tech tool, I would say right now I'm focusing on AR and VR experiences. Uh, last spring, we got an AR VR cart thanks to our high school STEM director. And so now this year, I'm working on expanding the program in our middle school. And this week, I'm working with fifth grade social studies. And they're studying Africa in social studies. And they're also reading A Long Walk to Water in their English class. And so we're going on a guided journey through through Africa. Uh, and the kids have really, the classes we've done so far, they've really been able to connect with their learning in English and social studies with the VR experience. That so that's is really fantastic. To, I bet that do. that just really brings the story to life for them too. Wow. That's amazing. Um, so how do Absolutely. you keep up with new technologies? Well, I am a member of ISTE. Uh, I've been a member since my first tech coach job, and it has really provided a lot of resources for keeping up with technology, whether that's webinars or their online professional learning networks. And then as far as an informal learning tool, okay. uh, yes. I would say Twitter. Um, Twitter has been a great, I mean, at, at first you might think Twitter doesn't have maybe a learning component to it. But if you follow other educators and there are certain educational hashtags and ed chats, those can be really a wealth of information. And they can connect you to other people that you then have deeper conversations with. Um, and then most recently, my Google Innovator cohort, I know they've already become a great network for growing and learning. 
Uh, we have a, a hangout chat that we just throw out ideas and, and share projects. Oh, I, I'm so glad that you threw Twitter out there because I would love to give a plug right now for Caitlin. Um, you can follow her at EdTechCaitlin. And I think you're absolutely right. It's a wonderful place to see what others are doing and then say, oh, if they can do that, I think I'd love to try that. So I think I think Twitter is a wonderful resource for a uh, professional learning network. I actually found out about this podcast through fantastic <laughs> I, I didn't realize that you all were doing it and then i saw a tweet oh i love that i, thought, oh, that's I love hearing that <laughs> oh my gosh well it's been exciting for us to see it growing um over the last couple of years so all right well we connected in nashville while you were here as a tech integration specialist at harpeth hall high school your makerspace the design den was beautiful and if i remember correctly you had everything from 3d printers to power tools now that you've moved to florida talk about the trends that you see in makerspaces and what uh, differences that you've seen um, in two different areas of the country? Well, first, thank you for that compliment on the design den. I, I do think, though, that what's most important with makerspaces is not necessarily what tools you have, though those are nice, but it's more about what you do in the space. So makerspaces are great places for creativity and design thinking and iteration and trying things out, problem solving. Um, but you can do that with very simple arts and crafts tools or more high-tech tools like the 3D printers or the laser cutters. Uh, though I, I do have to give credit. So when I was in Nashville, I went on a Metro Nashville makerspace tour. And we went to public school libraries and we also went to public libraries that had makerspaces. And I kind of got the idea there because when we went to Hume Fogg, they had a rolling cart in their space because space was very limited. And that became their mobile makerspace. And then we also went to new maker spaces that had more maybe square footage that had recording studios. Yes. I think that was downtown. Uh, but they were all doing great things and the students were engaged and they were learning and they were trying things out. So it was neat to see within one tour, uh, one day, the, the variety that Oh, yes. Happen. And I think also it has to do with knowing your community and what kind of tools and things would really um, spark the interest that in in your own communities and schools with your students. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, so you recently became a Google Certified Innovator. Congratulations. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your experience in New York City? Sure. It was an amazing experience. And we had a three-day academy where they took us through a design thinking process to come up with an innovator project uh, that we're going to continue to work on throughout the year. So it was a really a great experience to go through that process, but also to connect with other educators and people in ed tech um, around the world. Uh, and, and so that network, I know, is going to be a great place to, to grow and to continue to innovate. Wow, that's, that is wonderful. So again, if you have the opportunity to follow Caitlin on Twitter, it was exciting to see the, the process. I really enjoyed, enjoyed watching uh, what you all were doing there. So you're also a published author. Um, so Caitlin's book is Stretch Yourself, A Personalized Journey to Deepen Your Teaching Practice. And I believe you wrote that with Fanny Passport. Uh, how did you all connect? And you can, can you talk specifically about how it's tied to aspects of yoga? Sure. Uh, Fanny and I connected through the Young Educators PLN for ISTE. We met at an ISTE conference and immediately connected. Mm -hmm. And we started working together on the leadership of the 
the PLN, but then ISTE approached Fanny to write a book. Uh, and then she said she wanted to work on it with me. So we we decided to um, collaborate on a book. And the title is pretty self-explanatory, but we use the analogy of uh, EdTech Yoga to organize our thoughts. So when we talk about breathing, we're talking really about slowing down and being self-reflective and finding yourself and, and where you want thinking about where you want to go. Uh, and then with stretching, it's about ongoing improvement. So in yoga, there's different poses that you can try. But even when you make the pose, there's things that you can do to extend that or there's always something that you can work on to stretch. Um, and, and we felt that that was true also of education. So even if you come up with a really great mm -hmm. project, there's always something you can new, maybe a new tool you can incorporate or um, just you know, adjusting for the needs of your specific students. Uh, so that's what stretching is about. And then with the meditation, that's about self-reflection and also connecting within the broader educational community. So you're meditating on your role as an educator and your role as an educator in your school and your community and your professional network, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, that is great. I really look forward to reading that. So librarians work to create collaborative partners with teachers in all subject areas. What advice do you have for librarians working with teachers that are reluctant to integrate technology into the curriculum? I would say start small. Uh, if, if you're working with resistant teachers, start small and look for opportunities to get an easy win. And that may not always be uh, immediately seen in the classroom. So it might be a way to help them be more efficient as a teacher, or it might just be a setting on one of their devices. Uh, but if you start small and show them that technology doesn't have to be scary, then they, they're, they're going to slowly warm up or ease up into it. Um, it and I also think, and, and then once you do that, once you have those small wins, then you can slowly stretch yeah. them. <laughs> if we'll go back to that analogy. Uh, and then you can, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then you can stretch them to, to do things with their students or to do, to do things uh, that are more adventurous. And, and I really do think Part of it is relationship building is so key. Even if it's off topic, you don't know how that relationship or conversation may help you later on. So maybe you are getting coffee in the break room and you start talking to a teacher and they tell you about what they're doing or they mention their project and then you can throw in a little suggestion. Um, you never know when those little conversations or those little interactions are going to to pay off uh, or develop into something more meaningful. Um, and, and I think really helping uh, connecting mm -hmm. with the curriculum. So if you're able to go into your teacher's classes on your learning management, either Google Classroom or PowerSchool mm -hmm. or whatever it is that you're using, um, go to going to team meetings. If you can advocate for a flexible schedule, that way you know what's going on. And again, even at those team meetings, they may not be talking about the curriculum in the meeting. But afterwards, you're standing around and then you start talking about a project idea. Um, but it's really just FaceTime is really important. 
Uh, oh, Caitlin, those are great suggestions. And I think you're right. Yeah. It all goes back to those relationships and having that vested interest in the success of the students. And I think sometimes when uh, teachers see that, oh, the librarian is also really invested in the success of my students and the success of, of their own instruction, I think that really goes a long way. So I, I love it that you suggested go, it, that it goes back to relationships. This podcast is called Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover, a podcast for future-ready librarians. What advice do you have for school librarians, especially those that may want to change the perception of librarians? That's a great question. It's something that I'm currently trying to do. As someone who doesn't have a traditional path to being a school librarian, uh, I'm really trying to figure out ways that I can maybe disrupt the traditional ideas of what a library looks like or what a librarian looks like. And I think by taking action and modeling new ideas that you can serve uh, or librarians can serve as an example of what might be possible. And I do think it's also important to advocate for your philosophy. So a traditional view of a library might be a totally silent space. And I don't personally think that the library needs to be totally silent. And so advocating mm -hmm. for that in the policies or in how students are, um, the, the messaging that goes out to students about what the space entails and what are the rules of the space. Uh, that's something that I've been advocating for recently. Um, and, and then students are more comfortable being in the space and then they stay and m maybe read or, or you know participate in some of the programming that goes on advocating for your philosophy i that is that is just such a beautiful phrase because you're absolutely right if we ha have that vision then advocating is the only way or or demonstrating that to others is the only way that they will really see that change in our spaces so okay well caitlin i would like to thank you for chatting with us today and again everything that uh, caitlin talked about today um, will be in the notes of this podcast. So again, her book is called Stretch Yourself, A Personalized Journey to Deepen Your Teaching Practice. And you can follow her on Twitter at EdTechCaitlin. Caitlin, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you for having me, Connie. It was a great time. <laughs>